Lights, camera, action, and welcome to Happy Hour Films. My name is Ross Bacon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Say hi, Mike. How you doing, Ross? This is a podcast where we crack open a beer and talk about movies. This month, our theme is one actor, two performances. And tonight, that actor is Amy Adams, and we're talking about American Hustle and Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. But uh, before we dive into that end of the pool, let's discuss what we're drinking. Mike, what do you have over there? All right, so I'm rolling with a Parkway Pilsner from New Jersey Beer Co. Oh, nice. What's, uh, what kind of alcohol content you got over there? 5%. Solid, solid nice. drinking range. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, hey, is it good? Uh, you like it? Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's, it's sort of... I guess, I, Bud Light is probably one of the most popular pilsners there is, and this is just like a, you know, not water version of that. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's Bud Light with taste. <laughs> but um, figured, so I couldn't think of a good beer that went with Amy Adams specifically. It was tough. It was tough. But because American Hustle takes place in New Jersey and our podcast Man. takes place in New Jersey, I just went Man. with the most New Jersey beer I could find. Yeah, good old Camden, New Jersey, features prominently in American Hustle. Yep. All right. What are you drinking well, there? Yeah, that's what you got. And uh, meanwhile, for me, uh, yesterday I went on the well, on about a three-hour beer run down to uh, Ship Bottom in Long Beach Island, and I picked up a uh, four-pack of Barnegat Lager, amongst other things. Um, mostly because the Barnegat Lager pours this nice, cool, like red. And uh, Amy Adams, obviously famous for being a redhead. Um, it's also very smooth, which is pretty much what she is. She's too smooth, can do anything, go with anything. And um, obviously, Ship Bottom is in Long Beach Island, New Jersey. So there's the local connection. I like you know, the connection with the redhead red. there. Yeah, it's nice and red. I'm getting, and I'm drinking it out of my Batman glass, which we're not talking our about. View, our viewers glass. can't see it, but. <laughs> Yeah, I'm drinking my Batman glass. We're not, we're not talking about Batman versus Superman or Justice League where she plays Lois Lane, but that's that's maybe for a future podcast when we talk about absolutely terrible movies. And that's probably that's for right. our own sanity at the moment. Yeah, yeah. We, so, uh, But tonight we're going to talk about some, some decent movies. Well, one good movie and one movie, in my opinion, that doesn't quite hold up. And uh, I think, well, let's get started on American Hustle. Uh, first impressions, Mike, what do you think? So this was the first time I ever saw the movie. And I gotta say, I really enjoyed it. I thought, um, so it's a pretty star-studded cast. You have your Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, Robert De Niro shows up briefly. Wasn't expecting that. Little cameo for Bobby, yeah. Uh, Louis C.K.'s in it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Though, I mean, like, spoiler alert, he gets the crap beat out of him. (laughs) Rightfully so. Yeah, no, if only that had happened to real Louis <laughs> Uh But I really enjoyed it. Like, it's hard for one actor to stick out when I think he had a group of strong performances. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Across the board, they're great. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Jennifer Lawrence, but she's great in that movie. Oh, uh, yeah. She plays the role that she needs to really well, which is basically oh, yeah. her crazy side from Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, dialed up. Even farther because she's that much more of a nut job, and she's kind of like a dead too. Like so, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty interesting. She's a crazy person that thinks she's you know right all the time. It's it's really wild. But yeah, she clearly uh, and the backstory. So she has some she has depression or something. Like the move, the first introduction you get of her is she started a fire in the house with her kid in it. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. She said the first fire. Uh, well. It's, it's one of many fires that apparently she started because even the kids like mom lit the house on fire again. Yeah. Um, but, and then Bradley Bradley Cooper, I think he comes off as the perfect asshole type. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, he's an FBI agent who is kind of an ass. In the uh, for those who don't know, again, like we've said in the previous episode, this uh, this this episode and every episode comes uh, spoiler heavy. So if you haven't seen American Hustle or Talladega Nights. Stop the podcast right now, go watch them, and come back to us. Because um, we're going to talk about everything. Whereas the, so for American Hustle, the summary of American Hustle is Christian Bale and Amy Adams are con artists. And they, well, Amy Adams is a con artist. Christian Bale's kind of a legitimate businessman that just has a lot of shady dealings and screws yeah. a lot of people over. But um, 
they basically start raking in the dough through all these bad loan schemes. And Bradley Cooper is an FBI agent who is sent in as a part of a sting operation to, you know, to stop them and snag them. He brings them on kind of, not on the payroll, but it kind of like has them working for them. They become uh, puppets of the feds so they can snare bigger fish, basically. And it goes from there. And uh, it tells that story. And Amy Adams specifically plays, um, she plays Sydney Prosser, who's a con artist. And she also pretends to be Lady Edith Greensley, who is a British aristocrat. <laughs> she <laughs> like, I, she rolls with the English accent for a good amount of the movie, too. Well, that's the thing. She has the accent, but how much is she actually using it? She kind of like... Forgets about it a little bit. Come out. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing is this movie is based on true stories. It was the, yeah. a, the ab scam scandal in the, I want to say it went from like 78 to 1980 where the, yeah, it, was, it was a decent amount of the late seventies and early eighties. Yep. And, uh, so in the scam, they take down, they basically get a bunch of politicians for bri- or for accepting bribes. And uh, they take down a couple New Jersey politicians, specifically Camden's mayor, who uh, yep. I think I think Jeremy Renner kind of gave the standout performance of his scenes. He was good. He was really good. Uh, so anyway, talking about Amy Adams, I really enjoyed her performance in this. Uh, she got nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars. Yep. This movie yep. got a nomination pretty much for every major category. I think it yeah, had, it had yeah. ten nominations. Yeah, it got a ton of nominations. She got married. She got nominated for best actress, but she lost that. But she won the Golden Globe for this award for this performance. So this is a an award winning performance for her. And while she's a very enjoyable part of the movie, I it's sort of unfortunate that she seems to get overshadowed a bit just because. The other characters that are constantly present are also so great that you don't really get to appreciate her as much. Right, and it's it's kind of hard to be in the same scene as a full-on method acting Christian Bale and find a way to shine. Yeah, is that dude? He's he's Christian Bale. You know, he when he goes full method, he disappears. Like for this one, he gained like a ton of weight. To be an overweight man with a big pot belly, and he actually gave himself a comb over, from what I read. Yeah. Who does? Who takes their like? And he, you know, their hair. <laughs> the beginning of the beginning of the movie makes it very clear that the comb over is very important to him. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's pretty great because the movie opens up with him gluing it down, like his mm-hmm. hairpiece down. <laughs> but it's 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 weird because Amy Adams, she starts off as this normal girl. And she's from, like, Arizona, I think. And she's just a regular girl who Christian Bell meets at a party. And then they kind of get to know each other. They kind of fall in love. And he tells her, basically, he gives her the inside scoop on the scams that he runs. She storms out, but then storms back in with this British aristocrat character of Lady Edith Greensley. And then they're off and running. They're all scamming the world. Yep. And, uh, she sort of has a somewhat relationship with Bradley Cooper about... Starts about half. Well, I guess it starts in the first scene, but hey, the, the way the first scene and then you cut back in time. Yeah, it's you're starting midway through the action with the first scene, then it jumps back to you know how we got to that point. One of those standard things. But um, yeah. So her, I I think she had good uh, chemistry with I guess all three of the love interests. I mean, she did kiss Jennifer Lawrence at one point. Well, Jennifer Lawrence well, kissed her. Jennifer Lawrence kissed her. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is about to ruin everything at this party, and um, Amy Adams follows her into the bathroom. Jennifer Lawrence is kind of going nuts, losing her mind, kind of really emotional because she can't handle the fact that her husband's mistress is here, and she's face-to-face with her. So she kind of gives this big speech, and then she just kisses her out of the blue, and it's it's it's, it's a weird scene, it but it's is. weirdly appropriate for the characters. But I would argue that the scenes that she, like, they only share a couple scenes, because they both clearly hate each other, but yeah, it's like two. The, the hate chemistry is almost better than any chemi- any other chemistry in the movie, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a scene where um, with, Amy, with Amy Adams and Bradley Cooper, 
where they have they've come back from part of a scam and she's sitting on the counter of this apartment that they have and the dialogue back and forth is more is something along the lines of like we you know we got feelings between each other this is how it is and the way she's sitting on the on the bar she's got her arms back and her legs are kind of spread a little bit and she says i'm putting it all on the table for you and yeah. a great line B, from a gorgeous woman to say it like that, every guy watching this is like, yes, this is amazing. And then Bradley Cooper just kind of, you know, obviously does what the cue is telling her, and he gets between her legs, and they're they're about to go at it, but then, you know, they kind of they push back because they know it's probably wrong or they can't do this, whatever. And the other the thing scene. is, is both of her potential love interests are either married or engaged, so... yeah. Yeah, and well, Bradley Cooper refuses to even really acknowledge that he's engaged, you know, to this to this woman who has one line in the movie, and it's, she delivers it terribly. So I can understand why both the fictional character and the actual actor wouldn't want to acknowledge her. Yeah, oddly, okay. one of my favorite bits in the whole movie is the ice fishing story. Yes, the the never ending ice fishing story being told by Louis C.K. to Bradley Cooper, and he's Bradley Cooper's consistently trying to figure out like what the meaning of it is, and he never really does. <laughs> um, a little tangent. Oh, it's still about the movie, but not necessarily about Amy. I guess a little bit about Amy Adams. There was this weird. I feel like it was like a weird kick in the ranging from like 2011 through 2015, where Hollywood is focused on doing, like, movies about secret American, like, scandals, or, like, yeah. you had your Argo, you had this, you had Zero Dark Thirty, you had... Big Short. Yep. Yeah. It, it was a weird yeah. tangent, but it produced a lot of good movies. Yeah, it's, it's also that, you know, that sort of oscar bait um, movie, which this kind of pretty much is... This is that Oscar movie where it's like, this is a true story about some weird people and they did a bunch of crazy stuff and we have a bunch of these great actors to play these crazy people. So why not give us all the nominations, which obviously for this one worked because that's what it did. It got all the nominations. And like, if you look at like, uh, Ron, it's, I want to say it was like a 92 on Ron Tomatoes from critics and like, an 80-something on Rotten Tomatoes from audiences, which is yeah, roughly what you're going to see with Oscar bait-type movies. They're usually not pandering to the audiences. They're pandering to the critics. Never, yeah, especially not in um, in 2014, which is when this would have been in, up for the Oscars. You know, it seems like recently that they've started to do, the Oscars have started to do the popular movies, you know, like mm-hmm. Black Panther, Dark Knight, the various different movies that are getting thrown in the best picture. Who won, who won 2014? Was that Birdman? What's that? What won 2014? Was that Birdman? Uh, I hope not. It probably was, though. Yeah, it probably was. Something around there. Uh, yeah, let me check it out. But, yeah, Birdman is, oh, you want to talk about a terrible movie, we'll get to it if we ever do the worst movies ever made. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, yep, it's, well, it came out in 2014, so maybe that was Best Picture 2015. But, um... It's, yeah, that, oh, now that you got me started on that movie, that's <laughs> a terrible damn movie. Uh, it's, you can't get much worse than that. Good old and, Michael uh, Keaton. Yeah, well, I mean, he's great. Yeah. But it's, but this one uh, looks like, if I'm pulling up the right information, it looks like we have, um, hold on, 12 Years a Slave was the winner for this one, which, I mean, if you're going to lose the movie, you can lose 12 Years a Slave. That's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, and but, you don't. That that was one of the. That was the right choice. Twelve years of slave. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the other. I'm looking at the other nominations. It was Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, another Amy Adams movie, Nebraska, Philomena, and The Wolf of Wall Street. And yeah, if you're gonna give it to Brett, if you're gonna give anything there, it's definitely got to be Twelve Years of Slave. Yeah, I mean, Dallas Buyers I, Club I is up there, there, but I think Twelve Years of Slave is the. Yeah, I've seen a few of those, and from what I know of the rest of the ones I haven't seen, they're not as good as 12 Years of Slave. Mm-hmm. You, you, you really can't beat that. And just so now that I have it up, Amy Adams lost her Oscar to Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. Which, like, uh, Amy I Adams has a good heard. amount of Oscar nominations. She's sort of becoming a new Leonardo DiCaprio. Let's get this lady an Oscar. But yeah, she, I mean, she's amazing. There, you, you can't do... If you want somebody that's going to be an amazing actress... You want to put him in a lead role? 
you're you got you got Amy Adams. That's what you want to get. I mean, of course, there's Meryl Streep, who personally I despise, but if it's Amy Adams, Meryl Streep, and again, like Kate Blanchett, who won? You know, you want them as your leads. Go for it. You're not going to be disappointed, and that's that's Amy Adams in a nutshell. You know, you could put her in any role. And she's going to be great, especially considering the other movie we're going to talk about, whether she's barely in. <laughs> yeah. She, <laughs> she's so great in it. It's funny, because we were debating some of the movies to talk about, but I I thought Talladega Nights was a good contrast to... Uh, American Hustle was like the one movie that was going to be in this podcast. Yeah, easily. And... Uh, the other half would be like a rival. You know, something like that. Yeah. Another equally great movie, but she's it's it's a different type of movie. She's a lot more silent in that movie. She's a lot more and in this one, in American also, that's the one thing I noticed about her. She works a lot with her eyes. Yeah. She, she does, does a lot of reacting with her eyes. And it's amazing because she gets across everything she needs to get across by just using her eyes. And I mean like with two very different characters, like she has chemistry with every single person in this movie. Yeah, yeah and I guess she never. She only interacts with Jeremy Renner briefly. Like it's never. Yeah, she's, she's only in like one scene with him, but you know it's Jeremy Renner. It's it's kind of like watching exciting paint dry. You know he's <laughs> he's serviceable, but you're not going to remember him for a lot of things. Yeah, you know, he's Hulk. He's he's the. He's, you know, the disposable event. Which is why I was really pleasantly surprised by his performance in this. I thought he was great. Well, he's a good actor. Like, there's no doubt that he's a good actor. I've enjoyed him in the things I've seen him in. But he's he's one of those guys that, like, when Jeremy Renner is there, you're like, oh, it's Renner. They probably wanted a, a name, but they didn't want to pay. You know, so they it's, have Renner. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's probably the most likable of the main cast in this movie. Oh, I don't know. I liked I, I liked Christian Bale. Like, I do too. Like but like, if you think of who the best person in the movie is and seems very genuine, it, it's Renner's character. Yeah, he is. He he plays Carmine Polito, the mayor of Camden, and he does see. He comes across at first like a guy. The way they set him up is weird because they kind of set him up as like a bit of a politician who definitely wants to be a politician and come across as a politician to help everybody. But mm-hmm. as the movie goes on, you can tell he genuinely cares about everyone. Yeah, they also sort of set him up as being potentially dangerous. Yeah. it's it's He's not he's not so much a politician as he is a dude that happens to be a politician who really actually gives a shit. He which is, is weird for a movie because usually politicians like that in movies are played for guys that are like... His dudes. whole goal with this whole thing is to bring more jobs to people of Camden and in lower areas of New Jersey at this point in time. Right. Yeah, and in Camden, that's about the definition of that at the time. You know, Camden yeah, because Cam- exactly for those great. who don't know who only sort of know the... Uh, more modern outlook on Camden. Prior to the Great Depression, Camden was a flourishing city that really, and um, it just never really recovered from the Depression or World War II or anything like that. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of corrupt politicians, a lot of a lot of corruption. They kind of they kind of ran Camden into the ground, and uh, it's only now starting to get better. Like. As of late, Camden's a lot, a lot better place to go to, and oh, yeah. it's great. Camden's got a lot of great stuff to offer. Like the waterfront's amazing. The waterfront's great. Of, they have a lot of good bars there. Um, yeah, they got a lot of good stuff. The aquarium is world class. Yeah, they got Rutgers Camden down there. You know, it's it's a great a great law school at Rutgers Camden. You know, yep. we got a bunch of great lawyers coming out of there. You know, it, there's a lot to offer in Camden. They're changing a lot of it, and you can almost tell that this character that Renner plays is kind of like one of those early versions of the politicians that Kevin has now who are actually caring and trying to make Kent better. Yeah. And of course he gets taken advantage of by the con men that are, that are Christian Bale and Amy Adams doing her, her lovely British. I really can't say enough how great of a half-assed British impression this is. Yeah, I know. It's just good enough to work, but you know, she didn't like sit with the language. She's she's almost, It's, I don't, it almost reminds me of like, for some reason, Robert Downey Jr. loves taking roles where he has to do a fake, not British accent. And I love Robert Downey Jr. 
But stop taking those rolls, man. Doolittle has to be the straw that broke the camel's back on that one. Wow. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy the Sherlock Holmes movies. I'm not going to say they're great. I'm not going to say his accent's great. But, like, just... Be, be your an American asshole self, Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just a few times, you know. Just stick with what you're good at, and if you if leave Sherlock to Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, to Doctor Strange, he's Sherlock now. Yeah, the torch has been passed if it was ever in your hands at all, you know. <laughs> and I, I'm trust me, I'm one of his. Like, Robert Downey Jr. is one of my favorite actors. I'm a huge Iron Man hard, fan, hard, boy. Hardcore Downey boy. <laughs> of all the years I've known you, you have been nothing but an RDJ fan, and it's it's sad. It's almost sad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can say the same about you for Christian Bale. You know what? If we're not going to get it to Iron Man, be Batman. Because we all know <laughs> Batman will win, and this is this is a long-standing beef between us. But eventually, we will we will have the, uh, an episode dedicated to why Batman is better than Iron Man, and it will be amazing. For all the people that agree with me and are correct, that's not how the episode's going to go. But um, don't one one of the months when we pick a new category will involve it around the MCU somehow because the DCEU doesn't have any movies worth talking about besides maybe Wonder Woman. No, I agree, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> and we'll get into our whole superhero beef there. Yeah, it's 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 sad once it gets into the movies. But anyway, we are here to. But speaking of that, speaking of the DCU, we are here to talk about the lowest lane of that universe, which is Amy Adams. And there were times where, in this movie, in American Hustle, there's a part where, like, I'm thinking, "What can't Amy Adams do?" And then she walks on screen with a big perm, and she cannot pull a perm hairdo off. She just can't do yeah, it. It's not the seventies. It's not the seventies. It's not the eighties. I'm not sure anyone should be doing that. No one should. That is hair that no one should have. It doesn't look good on anybody. Now, if we want to smell as well, we're on that. If we're going to continue talking about the wardrobe, I was nervous every time she appeared on screen because of she is, the amount of boob tape uh, yeah. on her wardrobe was nuts. Yeah, no, <laughs> I they are. Uh, those boobs got nominated for an Oscar with this wardrobe, though. It's nuts. It's crazy for that because I don't know how women did this in the 70s. I just don't understand how you walked around like that being... I would be afraid of just popping out <laughs> everywhere I went. You know, I now, wouldn't trust the baby. Wait, back, back to the perm. You know, we're missing someone that definitely can pull off the perm, and that is Mr. Bradley Cooper. Yeah. He's even seen with curly curlers in his hair at one point. It's... It's a special kind of look that really, yeah, it takes a kind of guy like that that's as good looking as Bradley Cooper to be able to pull that off. Sexiest man alive, and uh, I think he won that title several times, actually. And with good reason, you know, he's, he's a good looking guy. Solid man, yeah. guy. Interesting, interesting hair. Very <laughs> interesting hair. Now, for American Hustle, Mike, is there anybody else that could have played the role that Amy Adams does as well as her? I was trying to think about it. The only, one, the only one I think that might be like comparable, but I don't think she'd be as good as Isla Fisher, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I mean, she'd be a shorter character, but you know, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think she... I, I still don't think anybody but Amy Adams could do this. I mean, the other way to go would be with the other famous redhead of Hollywood would be Nicole Kidman. Yeah. You know, I think Nicole Kidman would have been pretty great, but Amy Adams just has that certain... There's something about her, her as that character that is just so genuine and awesome. Like, like you really do believe that this woman is this woman. Like, yeah. I don't know what the real Sidney Prosser, a.k.a. Lena Greensley, looks like, but I'm willing to bet good money it's not Amy Adams. But she she's great in this role. And yeah, no, really this was... Of a lot of the movies I've seen, which she's usually good in every movie I've seen her in. Like, even yep. movies that aren't super well-regarded, like Trouble with a Curve, which wasn't... I mean, it got okay reviews, but, like, it wasn't super high-regarded. But she stole every scene that she was in in that movie. I fell asleep during that movie. I tried to start watching and fell asleep. I just couldn't do it. 
and I love baseball. I'm a baseball player. Yeah, it's a it's a a nice way to put it would be it's a slow burn. It's it's a slow hanging curve, probably. (laughs) Well, I guess we should get into our next movie, which is on like the total opposite end of the spectrum from American Hustle. I have a lot of thoughts on Talladega Nights, and you can start. Start with yours and state your case why Talladega Nights is a movie that we should be watching while I refill my beer, okay? So I'm going to leave you to it for a minute. So Talladega Nights is, uh, it's never been one of my favorite Will Ferrell. It, it's definitely one of his most memorable movies, but I tend to like movies like Step Brothers and the other guys a bit more, but... It's a solid comedy with, it, you get your normal John C. Riley, Will Ferrell humor. Uh, Jane, Jane Lynch is in it, which is always a treat. She's amazing. Um, oh, that, why can I think of the name of the place is Dad? Oh, uh, Gary Cole. Yeah. A.K.A. Lundberg from Office Space. Yep. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. He's, he he plays, Gary Cole plays an amazing asshole. He's a deadbeat dad in this. He's Wolf he's Ricky Bobby's dad. And he's just amazing. And, uh, he's well, got a lot of great lines that I can't remember because I don't, I, there's so many of them. While, uh, I was, while you were refilling your beard, I was saying how, while this is definitely one of Will Ferrell's most memorable roles, I tend to like Step Brothers and the other guys more. The other guys is vastly superior to this, and as well as like Anchorman. Yeah. And this this movie, I remember watching this. I remember seeing it in theaters. I remember watching it. You know when it came out, it was so quotable and everything. Like you know, just his kids, Walker and Texas Ranger. Chip, I'ma come at you like a spider monkey. I used to say that all one of my time. favorite. If you ain't first or last. Exactly. And uh, uh, <laughs> I have fun. Like, like, like don't smoke the Cheerios. <laughs> Right. Or don't smoke there's, the Lucky Charms. So yeah, there are so many parts of this movie that I remember thinking, I remember at the time when it came out, 2006, being like, hey, this is this is funny, this is hilarious, it's Will Ferrell, it's Adam McKay, it's a great combination, these guys are awesome. But watching it now in 2020 as a 38-year-old as opposed to a 24-year-old, there's so much that I was like, come on, let's get to the next scene. Like, There's, there's a lot of scenes that just drag. Like the grace scene, yeah. the scene where they're saying grace to baby Jesus. I was like, come on. Now, what I will say, what this movie does better than almost any Will Ferrell movie, besides maybe Anchorman, is its one-line quotability. I'd say Anchorman, yeah. Anchorman is probably the only movie that I quote more. Uh, Step Brothers okay. is close, and I just happen to be a huge fan of the other guys. I'm not sure... I, I would guess more people quote this than the other guys. The other guys is an amazing movie, and then most of the quotes from the other guys are coming from Mark Wahlberg's character. Yeah, I'm a peacock. You gotta let me fly. <laughs> Things like that. I don't. Uh, though I do love the whole uh, the captain keeps quoting songs, and they're like, "Oh, you gotta be doing this on TLC. purpose." Keeps quoting TLC. Yeah, yeah. Like Michael Keaton also. But that's the thing, you know, you probably noticed that we've been talking about Talladega Nights for a couple minutes now, and we haven't mentioned Amy Adams, probably because she's in roughly four minutes of this film. (laughs) Her and Will Ferrell have very public and apparently loud animalistic sex in an Applebee's. (laughs) That speech she makes in the Applebee's is amazing. It should have won her an Oscar. It's, it's one of the slow <laughs> burn Speaking of Applebee's, one of the smartest business decisions they ever did was <laughs> right. getting this product placement in this movie. Right, and that's yeah. It's, it features prominently in Ricky Bobby's return because Ricky Bobby, in case you haven't seen the movie, is a he's a NASCAR driver who goes very fast. He loves to go fast. He's a winner. He's number one. Then he has a wreck where he thinks he's on fire and runs around the track in his underwear. This, of course, gets him thrown off to drop of racing. He goes nuts. He leaves racing. And to get his comeback going, he has to move back in with his mother. He has to take a job as a pizza man. Then his dad comes back into his life and teaches him how to go fast again. And while he's doing that, he learns to love racing and get back into it. Blah, blah, blah. He becomes a hero again and races again. 
Now, Amy Adams' role in this movie is as Ricky Bobby's assistant, Susan. She's barely in the movie until about the hour and ten mark when there's about 37 minutes left or so. Then she comes back and becomes a love interest for Ricky Bobby. Now, they are in an Applebee's. They're Well, they're in a bar, and she sees him. She's got a new job at NASCAR. She sees Ricky Bobby moping about the bar. She comes over and she gives this impassioned speech about him being riding a, a bone skeleton horse of death. Yes. Like, was just, it's the craziest speech I've ever seen. And she gives it so passionately and so amazingly that you look at it and go, wow, Amy Adams is taking complete crap and making it gold. <laughs> now, with it, it's another star-studded movie. We already brought up Jane Lynch, John C. Riley, Will Farrell, Amy Adams. We did not... Yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen and Michael Clark Duncan are the two names that we really did not bring up yet. R.I.P. Michael Clark Duncan. God, what a loss that was. I know. One day we're going to have to do a Michael Clark Duncan episode and talk about Green Mile. He's he's amazing. He's amazing. I can't watch Green Mile again. I I, I can't. Can't do it. I He's in he's in some terrible movies like whole nine and ten yards. He those movies are bad, but he's great. I'll be honest. He's amazing. I'll I'll be honest. I enjoy the whole nine yards just because I love. Oh, you would. (laughs) Bruce Willis in that movie is just like just trying. That's right. Just watching Bruce Willis practically hit Chandler from Friends for a couple hours is kind of enjoyable. It is kind of like, you know, a bucket list wish fulfillment thing. Like, what if John McClane would punch Chandler in the face? That would be great. <laughs> you, know, you almost get that. Well, yeah, now, Amy Adams, like, to bring up the question of if she could be replaced, I almost felt, like, so I compare Isla Fisher and Amy Adams a lot, but me and my friends are like... I'm sure a lot of people do. Well, me and my friends are like, if they were Pokemon, Isla Fisher would evolve into Amy Adams. <laughs> I can see that. I can, I can see that. <laughs> but I'm like, I, I wonder if, if when they first cast this movie, they were like, huh, maybe Isla Fisher. Nah, we could do a, just a little better, but still similar, Amy Adams. Right, yeah. Who's who's not, who's who's not, like, coming off of, like, a Wedding Crashers, like, hi, let's, let's do yeah. Amy Adams now. Amy Adams had not hit Enchanted yet at this point. Mm-hmm. She's a few movies away from Enchanted, which is really what skyrocketed her. And so she's at 2006, so she's got Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny after this as quote-unquote gorgeous woman. Then she has The X, Vanity Fairs, Killers Kill, Dead Man Die, which is some sort of video short. Then whatever, she's a voice in Underdog, which I think is a cartoon movie. And then she does Enchanted, and that launches her into this. Can we talk about this woman's career, though? She went from being, giving the best speech in Talladega Nights. She was in a lot of not great stuff before Talladega Nights, too. Yeah, she was in, she started off as in a lot of crap. Like, Drop Dead Gorgeous is her first role. And then she does Psycho Beach Party, which, of course, never seen, but I'm willing to bet, just based on new movie knowledge, it's a bad B-movie. It is. And then, she, yeah, she plays one role in, in that 70s show. Uh, and uh, in, in Psycho Beach Party, they, the only thing that is famous for in that movie came up when Amy Adams became famous because she gets her the bottom of her bikini ripped off. That's the only oh, part that's famous about that movie. Yeah, I'm sure, because it lives on in those things, like, there's roles, like, those, like, video clip-like uh, videos on YouTube, where it's, like, roles that famous Hollywood actors want you to forget, and then it shows, like, yeah. you know, Amy Adams getting their bikini bottoms ripped off, or, like, Sly Stallone being, you know, in a porn movie, something like that. So, but, she, but she went from these crappy B-movies, she, not, it's a, this is a solid role in a Will Ferrell movie, where she yeah. steals the, really the only scene that she's in, practically, the big scene. That's her. It's her big scene. Yeah. That she she, she absolutely scene. dominates that scene. Then she goes to Enchanted, which is a fun movie, but not some. And then she gets. Now she's. I think she has ten Oscar nominations now. She's got a bunch. Like she's got a whole bunch. Well, I'm. I'm still looking at her career before this. She does a lot of TV. She's in Charmed. She was in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah, she was in Charmed. 
Yeah, she was apparently in an episode of Charmed as Maggie Murphy, whoever that is. I never watched the show. Oh, just yeah, uh, just pulled it up. She was nominated for six Oscars. Okay. Yeah, she was in Cruel Intentions too. You know, the popular straight to video sequel no one saw. And then she was in an episode of Smallville. She was in a couple small roles. One episode of The West Wing. A few episodes of King of the Hill. Um, I love King of the Hill. Whatever Dr. Vegas is. I freaking love then, King of the Hill. Yeah, I mean, I I remember being okay with it. I have never, I haven't watched it since it was on. But I, I have Hulu now. Hulu has a great selection for television. Not an official plug, just Hulu sponsor <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then, apparently, because, again, I'm not a fan of this show. I know everyone else in the world is, but I'm not. She plays Katie in The Office. I'm not a big fan of The Office either. Oh, finally, another person <laughs> in the universe. It's not my wife that doesn't like the show. It's, but the thing is, like, I never had beef with The Office. Like, I watched it, and I thought it was okay. And then it turned out that everyone, for some reason, freaking loved it. And then all I saw on my Facebook feed for a while was Office memes, and I was like, can, can this stop? <laughs> I just don't find it funny. I just don't get it. I, I don't find it funny. The British one don't like it either. I mean, I just don't understand... Why? Like they, there are moments I laugh at, but people like to make it out as the funniest sitcom ever, and that's just not true. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Why is it? Why is a guy spilling his chili on the ground funny? I don't get it. I'm sure if I saw the episode, it would be uproarious. I doubt it, but I'm sure a guy spilling chili on the floor is hilarious in context. But I just oh. don't get it. So, but Amy Adams' Amy first Adams. Oscar nomination was for June Bug in 2005. Really. Okay. Uh, she got nominated, so that was Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role. Uh, then she got nominated for Doubt for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Uh, her first, that's most enchanted. Yes. And then she went on to The Fighter in 2010, Best Actress in a Supporting Role. You're missing her biggest role between those. Which was as Amelia Earhart in the Night in the Museum, uh, Museum sequel, Battle of the Smithsonian. Ah, God. How can I forget about the Night of the Museum sequel? That's the only movie that I, like, remember going, oh, right, she was in that. And then, like, thinking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, she was in that. There's a lot of her. And now, the thing is about the Night of the Museum movies, I, I'll be honest, I do really enjoy at least the first one. Yeah, it's not bad. And along the lines of movies where inanimate objects talk, it's it's fine. It's not I mean, it's, it's a good family movie. No, oh, yeah, it's a family movie, definitely. Um, but uh, Robin Williams is Teddy Roosevelt. That's a pairing that I never thought I would see, but I'm glad I did. Yeah, Robin Williams, again, peak, that's a peak Robin Williams performance. He's, he's great, you know. And who can forget Rami Malek showing up in that? Yeah, Freddie Mercury shows up as King Todd. <laughs> There's a lot of people in that. And of course, Owen Wilson is a tiny doll with cowboy. But it turns so it turns out that Amy Adams is the ultimate Swiss Army knife for an actress in a supporting role. Of her, of course. Of her six Oscars, five of them for, are for actress in a supporting role. And the only time she got leading role is the movie we talked about tonight with American Hustle. Of course, yeah. Or, and, you know, and obviously the biggest Oscar snub of all time is Lois Lane in Man of Steel. I mean... Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know how... Actually, you know what? I'm going to... Lois Lane, Batman v. Superman. It's a a role. It's a thankless role. But she does kill it, you know? And how the Academy shunned it, I'll never know. You know, they just (laughs) put the Demorites in their asses, you know? Also, how she doesn't get, like... When Superman catches her when she's falling, I don't know. It, he's the Man of Steel. That would bisect her. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I love those articles like on on the line where someone has done like the physics of it, where if he were to catch anybody, he would just saw right through them. Yeah. <laughs> but with Amy Adams, you know, she's done Lois Lane. She's a good actress in a bad movie. But then after Batman versus Superman, this is kind of a murderer's row right here. She's got Arrival, which she's amazing in. Yeah. Nocturnal Animals, which she's amazing in. Slumming it again for the Justice League movie, which maybe in the Snyder Cut she's better and more prominent. Who knows? 
And she's Lynn Cheney in Vice, which is amazing. Yeah, she got nominated and, for that. Right, and then apparently she's doing a sequel at some point to Disenchanted, which, according to IMDb, is in pre-production. But there is one stinker in that bunch in the post-American um, Hustle Amy Adams' career sh- uh, rocket ship. Now, that's Sharp Objects. I don't know if you saw that show on HBO. No, I haven't. But it's terrible. The show is god-awful. She's fine in it, but she has to play like this brooding journalist who goes back to her backwater town that's full of like corruption, just, you know, housewives bickering at each other. And she's a great actress in a terrible show. A lot of people love that show. I despise it because nothing happens in it. My wife read the book, nothing happens in it. How it became an HBO show, I'll never know. I'll have to leave that off my to watch list. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. If it was on your if it was on your streaming list, just get rid of it. If you bought HBO Max, not a sponsor, just to watch that, maybe cancel HBO Max. That's all I'm saying. Alright. So final verdict on Amy Adams. I don't know why we're doing why we do the final verdict on the actor actress, because we're only right now picking actors and actresses we like, so pro Amy Adams, I'm gonna assume. <laughs> well here's the thing. With this with this with Amy Adams, the first movie, American Hustle, is great. Is she's amazing in it, well deserving of the award that she won, the Golden Globe, well deserving of the nomination. Now, when it comes to Talladega Nights, she's in a she has a great speech. Now she also has two amazing lines in that movie that just hearing her say made me laugh out loud. Now it, the one is I painted the car. Yeah, we had sex. <laughs> and the other one is. How does one get thrown out of an Applebee's? <laughs> it's amazing. That's what I love. The, the, the best thing about that, one of the best things is the ending. Jane Lynch saying, all right, who wants to go get thrown out of an Applebee's? <laughs> what do you say when you get thrown out of an Applebee's? And then you hear Amy Adams say, how does one get thrown out of an Applebee's? And it's a great question, delivered greatly. And you know, having, having, be, having being a recent college, a recent college grad who entire group of friends enjoys half apps and dollar margs. Uh, it, it's, we never got thrown out, but I can imagine we got close. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> Applebee's does have a limit where someone's in the corner just like, all right, these drunk in college kids, they're almost there. They're almost there. <laughs> the thing was, is we knew half the staff because half of them went to Monmouth. Oh, they're all, you're good then. You need to go somewhere like, uh, you need to come down to like, you know, Cherry Hill Applebee's where they're not expecting that. We actually, we actually used to, uh, every time we went there, we, if we knew our friend was working as a waitress, we would always say it was someone's birthday. So she'd have to sing to us. It's the old slacker scam, you know, (laughs) the Denny scam. Like, yeah, it's my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) They don't even give you anything for free at Applebee's. I don't think. We just wanted to make her sing. <laughs> right, it's the clout. It's, it's knowing that you've made a waitress sing. And that, that really gets you. <laughs> to be fair, we always tipped well. Well, I mean, you got you got a show for your dinner. You know, you might as well tip. <laughs> but uh, there is there is a part of one of the things of I guess in the final verdict of Amy Adams and Talladega Nights is there is a part during right after her big speech where she and Will Ferrell are about to make out. He mentions that she looks, well, she's crawling on the table, and she looks like Tawny Katane from the White Snake video. Here I go again. And, or here I go again. And she does. She whips her hair back and forth, and obviously, being a child of the 80s, I'm and a hair metal fan. I am very familiar with that video. She kills it. You know, if you're going to do a Tawny Katane impression, this is what I'm showing you. I'm showing you Amy Adams crawling across the bar table. <laughs> All right, so I we both enjoy Amy Adams, great actress. I, I'm a big fan of redheads, so yeah, yeah, redheads are fun. Redheads are fun, and I she's one of the best actresses in Hollywood right now. She she's gonna get an Oscar soon. She's well deserving of it. Oh, very much. She's so six nominations. Come on, Hollywood. The, the Academy, if any of you listen to our podcast, we need you to pick Amy Adams. That's right. We're, we're highly influential in the Academy. Um, 
but here's the thing. Yeah, she's she's not going to be the Meryl Streep. She's not going to be new Meryl Streep. She's not going to get a thousand nominations without without finally getting one. She'll get one soon. She'll do something again, like typically great, like she is, and she'll pick something up. Um, Probably for supporting actress, because apparently that's where she flourishes. <laughs> yeah, she'll get that, and then the next year she'll get best actress because she's that good. But so yeah, final verdict, Amy Adams, pretty great. Obviously, we we both agree. Even though she's barely in Talladega, you know, she's one of the best parts of it. Um, so that's our that's our discussion on Amy Adams. <clears throat> now we normally before, if you listen to the first episode, we did uh, we segued into our badass bracket challenge. Now, given certain events that have happened out in the world recently. Mike and I did a reevaluation of the bracket. We found that it just wasn't up to the standards that it should be to uh, to continue doing in this current climate. Like we yeah. were going to have, it would have been a little rainbow, and it just wasn't going to work. It was going to be a um, bit insensitive. Some of the characters don't keep up with the times. It's yeah, yeah. We we created the bracket a while ago, and obviously, given recent events, things didn't hold up. So. We are going to axe that segment for now. Maybe we'll come back to it after retools maybe, later. Maybe we could do something like a superhero bracket or... Or best villain or yeah. something like that. But yeah, the, so if anybody was out there, you know, chomping at the bit for the uh, for the next round of Badass Bracket, we apologize. They will come back in the future. Just best so you're aware, I would have picked John Wick to win it all. Right. Yeah, and odds are good. I probably would have picked Dutch, Arnold Schwarzenegger, because he's my, he's my man. Arnold Schwarzenegger, you can put that man in anything, and I'm, I'm saying he's going to win. But we'll never know. We might, we'll know later down the line. As for right now, for this episode, we're going to do a, a random temporary feature, probably. Might not be the same for next week's episode, but we're going to do, you better come take a look at this, or you're not going to want to see this. Now, this revolves around a good movie we've seen right, lately, and a bad movie we've seen lately. So, Mike, if I say to you, you're going to want to come take a look at this, I'm going to tell you that you should see the movie Ready or Not. Have you seen it? I have. It's amazing. It's so it's much fun. Movie. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's great. It's, for those who don't know, it's about a woman, a, a woman who gets married into this big gaming family, a big gaming dynasty family. Now, as is tradition in the family, every wedding night, the new bride or groom has to pick a they play they play a game there's a small box that gets put in front of them and a card pops out with whatever game they're playing now it could be old maid it could be tic-tac-toe it could be clue but this woman have the bride happens to get hide and seek which means that the rest of the family hunts her down for sport and has to kill her by gone or else some evil thing is going to happen to them that's what they believe now this movie is nothing but blood and insanity, and it's amazing. It is just an amazing movie. It, it is in terms movie. of thrillers, like it's it's so much fun to watch. It's, it's great. It, it is a lot of fun. I think so. You're not getting any performances that are like Oscar worthy or any story that's Oscar worthy. No. <laughs> but my God, you are going to have a good time watching this movie. Oh, absolutely. And, of course, if you're looking, if somebody was out there and happened to watch Groundhog Day and was like, you know what? What happened to Andy McDowell? Watch Ready, Ready or Not. Andy McDowell features prominently in Ready or Not. She is, uh, she's the mother of the family, and she's great. She's, she's just amazing. She's a former American sweetheart. Current American sweetheart, Amy Adams, maybe took her role. We don't know. But she's definitely Amy Adams definitely got nominated for her role. Yeah, she's uh, she's pretty great. The, the the whole movie is pretty great. Um, so, how about you, Mike? What's your what's your what's your option? Okay, so I was torn between two. These are both movies that I've seen a lot and I constantly go back to, but they're the last two movies I watched. Okay. Now, the better of the movies is Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Oh, it's a great one. It's so freaking good. Like, I cannot say enough good things about that movie. The animation, the voice acting, the emotional gut punches. The <laughs> it's great. It's it's just amazing. It's, I would argue that 
at, it, for those of you who haven't seen it or don't know, it did win the Oscar for the best animated feature. And I would say it's probably, like, if I was ranking all of the animated Oscar winners that I've seen, it's top three. Yeah, it's up there. It's it's a really good movie. It's And especially, obviously, any movie that features the legendary Nicolas Cage. Oh, Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir trying to figure out a Rubik's Cube. Because if you don't know who Spider-Man Noir is, he's a, he's a, a, he, he's a version of Spider-Man that takes place in, like, I want to say the 30s. It's, it's a 30s noir. It's a black and white yeah. noir comic. Yeah, everything in the comics, black and white. He, uh, so he doesn't, like, he can't see the different colors of the Rubik's Cube, and he's just confused by it the entire movie. Right. But he also delivers the single best line in the movie. Miles Morales bursts into the door. He's saying what issues he's having, and Spider-Man Noir says, Wow, that's a pretty badass backstory. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Old, I love that because it also features, that movie features one of my favorite, my current favorite actors, which is Mahershala Ali. That oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's in everything. He can be in something like Luke Cage, which is not a great show in my opinion. I wasn't a fan. It was boring. I didn't like it. But the first half of it features Mahershala Ali as the bad guy, and he's awesome. He's just, he he's just that got that silky, him. smooth voice that just... He's awesome. True Detective season three. He, the dude, has been in so much. I mean, Green Book. I despise that movie, but he's great in it. You know, he is good in that terrible and movie. I might. I, I'm about to throw out a might be a controversial thing to say. Uh-oh. But Peter B. Parker in that movie, I could I could make a case that he is the best interpretation. Of a Peter Parker Spider-Man. No, that's the Jake Johnson Spider-Man. Right? Yep. Like the out-of-shape, kind of a bomb Spider-Man. Yep. I, I uh, think... That's as opposed to Chris Pine's actual Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing, like... So, there, a lot of people argue who's the best live-action Spider-Man. It usually comes down to Tobey Maguire or Tom Holland. It shouldn't, but it does. Who, who do you think it should? Andrew Garfield. I mean, everyone knows that man was the best. Who are we talking about here? <laughs> Listen. No, I mean, it's truly really Tom Holland, but... Yeah, I... I Tom Holland is my favorite live-action Spider-Man. Of course. Well, he's also... There's a very limited pool to choose from. There's, like, what, three dudes? Yeah. He's by far the best. <laughs> now, a lot of people love Tobey Maguire. I think they're looking at it sort of nostalgically... I, they're, they're, I Spider-Man 2 is a very good movie uh, one of the best Spider-Man movies but Tobey Maguire he just comes off so flat and he's not he's not great and he's, he's like 26 he's playing, playing a high school is. role yeah yeah he's he's much better as Peter Parker than he is as Spider-Man yes Andrew Garfield is much better as Spider-Man than he is Peter Parker and Tom Holland Tom is a nice mix is, yeah, he's great as both. Now, and, I will argue, it, Peter B. Parker in Into the Spider-Verse has a valid claim as the best portrayal of a Peter Parker Spider-Man. I could give you that if in that same movie Nicolas Cage were also a Spider-Man. That's true. I mean, That's true. What are we doing? What are we doing That's, here? He's a future episode. Nicolas Cage will feature on a different format of this <laughs> podcast. He will. He will be a part of this. Podcast. I thought we. Were, I thought we were planning an entire month dedicated to Nicolas Cage. We're both huge Nicolas Cage fans. Why not do it as our podcast? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't talk about movies and not discuss that man's body of work. He's just too great. Now, and now, obviously, both of us have discussed things that Mike. You better take a look at this, Mike. You're not going to want to see this, and I'm going to say Stuber. You do not want to see Stuber. Uh, I don't, I didn't think I did. <laughs> Alright, so now for, again, for those who don't know, which is hopefully everybody, because I hope no one saw this movie, Stuber is a movie where Kamel Nanjani is an Uber driver, and he has to ferry around Dave Bautista's big, re- re- crazy cop character, 
all night while Dave Batista tries to solve this crime. And it's it's a cop it's it's the premise sounds okay. Like cop uses Uber driver as his personal, you know, chauffeur to, to solve a crime, but it's not. It's just boring. And Dave Batista, I love the guy and he's a great actor, he's great as Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. I wasn't a I'm not a wrestling fan, but I'm assuming he's a popular one as Batista. You know, he's 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 a good actor, can be funny, but in this role, he's just he's kind of boring. And Kamel Nanjani, I love that guy. He's great in Silicon Valley, one of the best roles he's ever done. Even, this, did you he, see the big sick with him? Uh yeah, he was big sick as well. He was okay, he was good. Um but with this, he's just kind of like he, he makes a few quips here and there, but overall it's just not worth it. And I'm glad because my wife and I, we almost did a double feature when we could go to theaters before this whole COVID thing. We almost did a double feature with Crawl, which is another high recommend, and Stuber. We almost did a back to back, you know, like a double feature back to back. But it didn't end up hap- didn't end up happening. And I'm glad because if I paid theater prices for Stuber, I'd been pissed. I would have just been pissed off. <laughs> now, uh, mine you don't want to see. This this was a tough choice because I haven't watched that many ter- movies I would consider terrible recently. Oh, you're not trying hard enough. Um, though I, I've been seeing a thing online. There is a movie out there called The Loss of Pastor. <laughs> I need to check that out. <laughs> it is it is about a pastor who goes to China, uh, something about his dad's death, and he get he inherits these uh, powers that allows him to turn into a dinosaur, and a hooker convinces him to fight crime with those powers. Sold. I'm sold. <laughs> but um You had me a hooker. <laughs> if I had to go back, I'm gonna go with the live-action Death Note movie on Netflix. Okay, I'm not familiar with... I, I know what Death Note is. It's an anime, yes? Yes. And, alright, so... I was, a bi- I was a big fan of anime in, like, middle, early high school. Uh, Death Note is sort of what got me started on it, besides, say, like, Dragon Ball Z. Like, the, like Dragon Ball Z, I feel like everyone sort of watched as a kid in Pokemon... These are names I know, but I have never seen. So, with a lot of kids that grew up in my time and sort of got into anime, Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon were always sort of like an entry thing. And then okay. Death Note was like my first one that I like just straight up binge watched all the way through. And it's a very enjoyable show. Um, I, it's very well written. The second half, not nearly as good as the first half. Uh, but one... The movie is a very Americanized version of the show. Like, the main okay. character in the show's name is Light Yagami. In the okay. movie, his name's, like, Light Jones or something. <laughs> oh, of course. It's, I, I gotta look up the last name, because it's hilarious how American they make it. It's kind of like, like one of those things where you're watching, like, uh, Die Hard on TV. And they censor it, too, instead of Yippee-Ki-Yay, Motherfucker, it's Yippee-Ki-Yay, Mother Falcon kind of thing. Yeah. It, oh, it's Light Turner. Light Turner. Wow, that's, that's too close to Ike Turner for my life. <laughs> now, so the whole the whole concept of it is essentially smart high school kid made him so much dumber in the movie than he was in the show. Uh, yeah. A death god drops his notebook into the world of the living. And if yep. you write someone's name in the notebook and picture their face, they'll die in 45 seconds. However you write their death down, but it's supposed to be possible. So it's like an accelerated ring. Sort of, yes. Like, if you just write their name down and picture their face, they'll have a heart attack in 45 seconds. Oh, okay. But if you, you can write a cause of death and even control their actions to a degree before their death with it. Almost. All right. But the, the whole thing is you have to know their name and their face. Okay. So as you're moving through the movie, light finds this notebook and in, in the show light is very calm, very, like, calculated in every movie he makes. In the movie, he's just straight up stupid. Like, so yeah. dumb. 
Like, he has the notebook out in the middle of gym class. Like, <laughs> of course, why not? But, uh, and the other thing is, is he almost, in the, he never loses his composure in the show. And the movie's almost worth watching for the single scene where he sees a death god the, for the first time. Right. And, and now the death god is voiced by Willem Dafoe, who oh, is, wonderful man. he is great in it, but like everyone else is so terrible. And he just, it, I don't know if you know who the Naked Brother Band is. I do know. It was a Nickelodeon band for a little bit. And the older brother in the Naked Brother Band is who plays Light, so it's terrible. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. he, he just runs around screaming his head off for a solid, like, five minutes when the death guy <laughs> shows up. <laughs> so far, so far, again, I mean, you're not supposed to be selling me on this, but you're definitely not selling me on this. <laughs> Despite those presents. Uh, so it ends up coming down that him and this psycho cheerleader end up trying to write people's names in it to trying to eliminate all the crime in the world. They try to take out all the criminals in the world. That's a noble cause. And, uh, it comes up with, so L is, who is supposed to be the bad guy, he's like the world's greatest detective, and he's played by Lakeith Stanfield, who I really enjoy. Amazing. I love Lakeith Stanfield. But he's... Everything that he ever did that was good came out after this movie that I have seen. Sorry to bother you is one of the best movies I've ever seen. So, and like, he's just sort of insane in this movie. He's I, he's not the Lakeith Stanfield you know in this movie. So a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> it's... So you could not get further off from the source material, and you could not get a worse movie. Like, I, it's rated four point five on IMDb, which shows you how much like people dislike this movie. Yeah, IMDb is usually pretty forgiving. That's 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 rough. And that oh, also shows you how dedicated people are to like the original source material, and like this this movie just straight up takes a dump. We're all over it. That's a shame. I mean, even with, like, Willem Dafoe, amazing. Also, frequently, I recently saw The Lighthouse. Oh, that's my God. That... And we'll, we'll probably discuss it in a different episode, but that's a movie. You, you Whether, we movie. might have to discuss it for Robert Pattinson when we get closer to his version of Batman coming out, because a lot of people yeah. hate him because of Twilight, but he, uh... He hates himself in Twilight, too, so... He, uh... I, I think he's well deserving of a second chance here for Batman. Oh, easily. Everything he's done after Twilight has been good. Good Time is a great movie. I'm sure he looks like he's going to be great in Tenet. But, yeah, he's The Lighthouse, he's really good. But Defoe in The Lighthouse is great. Like Keith Stanfield, Sorry to Bother You, is one of the best movies I've seen in the last five, ten years. It's amazing. And I, I highly recommend everyone to see But I highly don't recommend you go see him in Death Note. Unless you come... Like, it's almost a so bad it's kind of funny movie. Especially if you do know about the source material. Right. The other thing is it's very unnecessarily gory. Because even though the okay. source material has a lot of death in it, it doesn't have a lot of blood or violence or guts and stuff. But, like, very early on in this movie, you see a kid get decapitated by a ladder. There you go. I mean, it's kind of like, it's like, like, uh, like movies that are not afraid to kill a kid or go after that are usually decent movies because, you know, they're, they're not pulling any punches. Oh, like, when I say kid, you, yeah, it's like a high school kid. No, that's no good, then. It's like Hereditary. You ever seen Hereditary? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like when they off that spoiler, when they off that kid and that, that's a, a great scene. It kicks off the rest of the movie. But when you see that, you're like, okay, there's no punches. Hereditary no is an interesting <laughs> movie because it's like it's like such a slow burn for the first like eighty five percent of it, and then you get through the last thirty minutes, and all hell breaks loose. Yep. Yeah, it's a wild one. All right, so. We are, you better take a look at this, which is ready or not. And yours, Mike? Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. That's right, Spider-Man and the Virus. And then, you, you're not going to want to see this, which is Stuber 
And yours, Mike? Uh, the live-action Netflix Death Note. Yeah, so there we go. We got a co- we got a couple things now that this COVID nineteen is still going. So it's a couple things you can watch on uh, during your quarantine, stay at home. Both of my picks are on Netflix right now. If you want to put yourself through the torture of watching the Death Note movie, I mean, like, I'm not a masochist, so I did it once. But if you're a masochist, like that's that's actually a good choice for you. There you go. Yeah, and both of mine are on HBO. And uh, I'm sure HBO Now, HBO Go, and HBO Max, I'm sure they're available on anything HBO decides to point out. Again, not a sponsor, maybe future, whatever. So, I guess that that about wraps it up. We have heavily discussed how great Amy Adams is. We've made some good recommendations. We've made some good don't-watch-this recommendations. And so I guess maybe we should tell people what we're watching next week. Should uh, We should probably give them that, that little clue, right? Alright, so um, he's very fresh. And he, I would say West Philadelphia, born and raised. He um, he's some sort of royalty, generally speaking. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and also, I think we're gonna have a guest on that episode. Yes, we? we will. Uh, I will give our guest a shout out on Instagram for those of you who follow us. We'll get a shout out on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you may know him. He's another New Jersey located podcaster. But uh, we'll get to that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So, for now, this is this is Happy Hour Films signing off. I've been Ross Bacon. And I am Mike McGuigan. And we'll see you guys next week. So long. So long. <laughs>